on being out. Um, I won't uh, go into the discussions about Nick again, but just to thank everyone for your concern and, uh, and the, the kindness that you've shown us uh, in the last few weeks. We really appreciate that. Um, well, we have a lot of tasks that we that face us that we like to break down into simple steps. Maybe it's a, a recipe, and maybe you look online to figure out how to make a dish, and maybe you find someone who outlines it in simple steps for you. <coughs> the kids like to watch those craft videos where they do two or three things, and out comes a nice little something you wouldn't have expected from that craft. Break it down in little steps. Um, Maybe you've you got something that you need to fix around the house, and maybe you can find an instruction manual, or maybe you buy that part, and it comes with five steps you need to do to replace that part you got around the house. We like to have big tasks broken up into simple steps that we can comprehend and that we can, that we can do. It makes those intimidating tasks seem more manageable. I think the same is true for us in our spiritual lives. We've been given some challenging commands, some commands that look really daunting. And if we can get those commands broken down into simple things that we can do and understand, then I think it helps us to feel better about the tasks that God has given us. For example, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, Jesus said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That, brethren, is a daunting task that I'm to be a light to the world, that I'm to be an example to others, that is a very challenging and intimidating thought. But I think in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, in the passage that Joseph just read for us, Paul breaks down this task in simple steps that we can follow to help us be the light that we need to be to others. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Paul's instruction, no doubt, was specific to Timothy. But I think it is applicable to us all. That if we want to be the example that we need to be, we need to focus in the areas that Paul has given Timothy instruction in. I believe it could be given to us all. We need to be an example, and we can be an example first off in our word. Our speech, the way that we use our tongue is very, very important. James doesn't mince words in James chapter 1 verse 26. James 1, verse 26, If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless, or vain, or good for nothing, or you might as well not even have any religion if you're not going to control your tongue. We're to be an example in word, the way that we use our mouth. Jesus maybe was even clearer than James. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 12. Verse 20, or 36 beginning. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you'll be condemned. It's that important how we use our tongue. 
Jesus says there will be people in hell. Not because of anything that they did, but because of the way they used their tongue, their mouth. Isn't that amazing? And it is along these lines, I believe, that the psalmist implores in Psalm 143, verse 3, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. The psalmist knew how vulnerable he was to the sins of the tongue. And he begs God to help him control what he was saying. We need to be careful about the way that we use our mouth, the words that we say. And a lot of times I think we focus on the things that we shouldn't say. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, let no evil talk come out of your mouth, but only such is good for edifying as fits the occasion, that it may impart grace to those who hear. We often focus on those words that we shouldn't say, those four-letter words, don't dare say any of those. Don't use the Lord's name in vain. Don't curse and swear, and certainly we need to be careful about that. I'm going to tell you, we also need to be focusing on good things that should come out of our mouth. Paul says here that we need to use our mouth for good, for edification, so that we can impart grace to the hearers. Are we focusing on that? Are we focusing on using our mouth? Not just holding back and keeping our mouth shut, but are we focusing on using our mouth for things that are good? Are we encouraging others by the way that we speak? Is our speech edifying? Does our speech encourage? I'll tell you, our speech needs to be encouraging, and that's going to include the things that we talk about. Are we talking about encouraging ideas and concepts with our brethren and with others? Or do we talk about things that discourage? We need to talk about things that encourage. We need to talk in ways that encourage. We need to be careful that we're not only just avoiding those bad words and we're not saying those things and those bad topics and those evil thoughts. We need to focus on encouraging, encouraging words. Paul told Timothy to be an example in word. And you're not an example if you just got your mouth shut all day long. You need to be an example in the way that you talk about things and talk about things that are encouraging to others. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 35, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And the evil man out of an evil treasure brings forth evil things. We understand the evil things that come out of a bad, a bad person's heart. You're probably around those folks at work or in the neighborhood who because their heart is wicked and dark Talk about those things. Certainly our heart can't be like that. But what good is coming out of my heart? Is it because I'm thinking on good and wholesome thoughts and encouraging thoughts that those things are in my heart and they're going to come out in my lips and in my words to encourage others? We need to be focusing on good things coming out of our hearts. Be an example Paul said to Timothy, by what you say. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 23. Proverbs 21, verse 23 says, Whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from troubles. 
We tell our kids about this. We tell our kids about how our tongues and our mouths can get in tr- ourselves in trouble. And it doesn't stop once you become an adult. Our words can get us into trouble. We think about being careful about what we do, the actions that we participate in, because we want those to be a good example. Do we think about the words that we say? Paul says we're an example by the way that we use our mouths, the words that we say. And could I suggest to you this morning that perhaps the way that we talk could have even a more, more of an impact on others than what we do? What I say could be an encouragement to others in ways that my actions never could be. Our words are so important. And we can impact people unintentionally with our words. Have you ever known someone who said the wrong thing almost every time they opened their mouth? Could that be us sometimes? saying the wrong thing unintentionally. We had no intention to say the wrong thing or in the wrong way, but we did. Are the things that we say coming across the wrong way to others? We have to be aware of that. I have to be aware of that. Are the jokes that I tell, the the clean jokes and and the little ribbing that I do with others, is it taken the wrong way? Is it discouraging? Is my cynicism discouraging and hurtful to others? Is my speech in general something that's encouraging or is it discouraging? And you probably work on this with your kids when they're squabbling. You've got to be careful about what you say to your brother or your sister and how you say it. We've got to be careful as adults. Have you ever had someone tell you that what you said was taken the wrong way? Husbands, you ever told your wife something that She told you, that hurt my feelings. You didn't mean it to hurt their feelings. You were being sincere. You You thought you were being helpful, but the way you said it was hurtful. Our words have to encourage, Paul says. Have you ever had someone tell you that when you said that, you sounded really arrogant when you said that? You sounded like a know it all. Maybe you didn't mean it that way. But if it's interpreted that way, you're not being an example in your words. We've got to set a guard over our mouth. We've got to be an example in our speech. Every part of our speech needs to be something that could be an example. Proverbs 18, verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. We work on this with our kids that you can hurt someone down to the core just with your tongue. And you can scar someone for life by the way that you use your tongue. I want to tell you there's also life in the tongue. You can help someone by the way that you use your tongue to encourage them. We're to be an example in our word, Paul says. We're also an example in our conduct, he says, the next phrase there in verse 12 of 1 Timothy chapter 4, in our conduct. Christians need to be careful about how they act. This is another example again of what we do and what we don't do. 
Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 says, We're to put off concerning, concerning our former conduct the old man which goes corrupt according to the deceitful lust. We're to put off that old conduct. And that's an active thing. When we become a Christian, we're to lay that stuff aside, put it off, deliberately say, that's got to go, that's not me anymore. I'm not doing those wicked things anymore. We used to live that way. We've decided that's not good. God tells us he doesn't want us doing that anymore, and so we're putting that stuff away. We're putting it aside. We had been deceived, it says here, the deceitful lust. And I want to tell you, one of Satan's deceptions around these lusts and these evil things that we used to do was that it was just between me and God, that I can do this and it's just between me and God. No, it's not. Because if I'm not living like I should in my conduct, I'm not being the example I need to be to others. It's not just between you and God. Others are watching, and you're to be an example in the way that you live. It goes farther, though, than just being careful about what you don't do. We need to make sure that we're showing an example in what we do do. Titus chapter 2, verse 7. In all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility. You're to show yourself as a pattern of good works. Could others look at you and pattern their life after you and be the Christian that they need to be? That's what we're told we need to be. Could others imitate me and be pleasing to God? Oh, no, I wouldn't want somebody imitating me. No, they don't need to imitate me. Well, they are. Others are looking at you. You are an influence. You make sure that it is what, you, what it needs to be, that influence. People are watching. And you're developing a reputation. Every one of us here has a reputation based upon how we are living our lives. Paul had a reputation in Galatians chapter 1, verse 13. For you've heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. People were watching Paul. Paul had a reputation. You have a reputation. People are watching you. Have you ever had someone make an observation about you that shocked you? Has anyone in the community or at work said something about you that you hadn't expressed to them verbally, but they had just concluded. Oh, I know you don't talk like that. Or I know I shouldn't use this, these, this language around you. Well, I never told you not to use that language around me, but you picked up on that by the way that I lived, didn't you? My conduct. Or I know you don't go out drinking on Friday. And how do you know that? You know where I go on Friday? No, they just can tell by the way that we live. We need to be a pattern by the way that we live, in our conduct. We need to also be an example in our love. There's an idea in our society that love is just a feeling or an emotion. You fall into love, you fall out of love, it's just some type of feeling, some type of emotion. But this is not what Paul is talking about here. How could you be an example in love? Oh, you got this funny feeling in your heart. You're an example. Well, nobody knows what's in your heart. We're to be an example in love because love is different than an emotion here. It's something that can be seen. And this lines up with what Jesus said in John chapter 13, verse 34. A new commandment I give to you, 
that you uh, love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. You say, just have this feeling in your heart towards your fellow man. Just have this, this feeling? No. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Our love for our fellow man ought to be something people can see because it's going to motivate us in how we act. It's going to dictate how we act by the love that we have for others. In 1 John chapter 3, 1 John chapter 3, verse 14 beginning, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. You see what love is? Love is how I treat others. Love is more than just a feeling. It permeates everything we do. Everything must be motivated by love. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and you'll see how love acts. Not how love feels, but how love acts. Read Philippians chapter 2, and you'll see how a loving person considers himself or herself with regard to others. How love acts. We're to be example in love. Before we leave this point, though, there are many in our society that are trying to redefine love. There are those who are saying that love can be anything that you want it to be. The mantra of the day is, love is love. Define it however you want to define it. And if love for me means that I'm going to live in a lifestyle that God condemns, that's okay. If you define that as love, that's fine. We all see the folly in that, don't we? But maybe a little closer to home. There are parents who get divorces, they say, because they love their kids. And that getting a divorce is the best thing for their kid because they love their kids. There are people, Christians sadly, who lie to others because they claim they love that person and they don't want to hurt their feelings. There are parents who claim they love their children too much to discipline them. Christian parents who say they love their children too much to discipline them. Do you see how people have redefined love? Christians are redefining love, but God says in 2 John verse 5, And now I plead with you, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which you have had from the beginning... That we love one another. This is love. That we walk according to his commandments. We don't love others. If we're not living like God said to live. God is the one who gets to define love. Not me. And I need to submit to him. We need to be an example in love. We need to be an example. Paul says next. In spirit. Our attitude is important to God. 
Our attitude has an effect on others. Our attitude is an example to others. Have you ever been around someone with a negative attitude? Down on everybody around them? Down on life? And how does that make you feel? Does that encourage you? Well, I want to be better. I really want to try harder now. No, that brings you down, doesn't it? It is an example. We need to make sure that our attitude is what it needs to be. The fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5 contains a lot of fruit that's connected with our attitude. Look at Galatians chapter 5, beginning of verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. We need to be on guard and be working on our attitude. Make sure that it is what it needs to be. If we'll work on our attitude, we'll be the example that we need to be. But I want to tell you, if we're not working on our attitude, if we're letting our attitude just be what it is, if we're letting our attitude just go and run unchecked and our emotions go unchecked, if we're developing a negative, sour, bitter attitude, others are going to see that. And it is going to have an effect on those that I'm around. And I will not be the example that God wants me to be. I've got to make sure that my attitude is right. I need to be example next, Paul says, in faith. And this instruction to be an example in our faith is very hard to do if you accept the common thought about faith. That faith is just some belief that you have. That if you'll just believe that Jesus is the Son of God, then everything's okay. But Paul says be an example in faith. That tells me that faith is going to be something that's visible. Much like love is visible because it dictates the way that I live. Faith is going to dictate the way that I live. We know the scriptures tell us that faith requires action. And faith will be manifested in my life because it's going to dictate action. Romans chapter 16 verse 26 but now has been made manifest by the prophet and by the prophets uh, prophetic scriptures has been made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith. Faith dictates that we obey. Faith dictates that our life changes. If we have the faith that we should have, the faith that God wants us to have, it's going to change our lives and we will not be able to hide it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, beginning of verse 6. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, with joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe or have faith. For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith toward God has gone out. So we do not need to say anything. People in Thessalonica had faith, and other people saw it. If we have the faith that God wants us to have, other people will see it, and it will have an impact on those who are around us. Finally, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, Paul tells us he wants us to be an example in purity. God wants us to be pure. In James chapter 4, verse 8, now draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. We need to be living lives of purity. 
And that purity needs to be evident to others. Other people around us need to know that we're different, that we're pure. The world around us is impure or dirty, and yet we're clean. We've got to be different. There has to be a demarcation between a Christian and the world. But how can others notice my purity if I'm watching the same television shows that they're watching? How can others notice my purity when I'm going to the same movies that they're going to? How can others notice my purity when I'm listening to the same music that they're listening to? How can others notice my purity and how can I be an example in purity when I do the same things that they do? When I go to the same dance that they go to? When I dress the same way that they dress? When I laugh at the same jokes that they laugh at? How am I an example in purity if there's not some difference? I've got to be different than the world if I'm going to have any influence on the world. If the world's going to look at him and say, he's pure, I'm going to have to be different than the world. That's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, you're the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Jesus says if you taste like the world, you're no good. You've got to be different than the world. The world is impure. You have to be pure. You have to be different. You have to be willing to be looked at as strange. Kids, you need to get ready for this. You're going to be looked at by people in the world like you're weird. You're strange. It's no different than what every other kid who wanted to be pleasing to God had to go through. It's what God wants us to do. It means, brethren, if I'm going to have the purity that God wants me to have, I've got to be willing to say, no, I haven't seen that movie that everyone else is going to see. No, I don't know who that actor is. I was in the hospital yesterday, and apparently there was a famous actor in the same hallway we were in, and I walked right by him, and I didn't know who he was. And the group of people in front of me pulled out their phones to show the people around them who that was, and they showed me. He was in such and such movie, and he's on such and such TV show. Don't know who he is. Sorry. We're going to have to be different than the world around us. You're not going to be able to be up on the latest scandal in Hollywood. You're going to have to be willing to say, no, I won't go there. And no, I don't do that. You've got to be different. We've got to be different in the world, in our purity, so we can be an example. We live in a world that's incredibly wicked, and the only way that we're going to be an example is if we're different. Janie, the other night you mentioned a passage about God being, people being God's people and him being their God and how much it meant to you. This verse is the same idea and it means so much to me in the world that we live in. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. Therefore come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. 
I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Be different. Be pure. The world is not pure. You be different. You be an example. Paul says be an example in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. But go back for just a minute and look at verse 12 of 1 Timothy 4 with me more closely. Paul was told he was to be an example to the believers. You know, we think a lot about how our influence affects non-Christians, and it certainly does. Do you stop to think about the fact that the way that you are living today is influencing your brethren? Do you stop to think about the fact that the way that you live, what you say, what you do, how you treat others, the attitude that you have, the obedience and faith that you manifest, the pure life that you live, do you stop to think about how that impacts your brethren? You know, I think a lot of times we think about other Christians as, they're just rocks. There's not much I can do for them. Now, maybe my neighbor, I can influence him for good, but brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so, no. We're relying on each other to be an example, to be an encouragement to us. What kind of influence are you? Your brethren are looking at you. It's not just the people in the world that are looking at you. Your brethren are looking at you. What kind of example are you? Are you encouraged to be better by looking at me or looking at her? We're looking at him. Can others look at you and be encouraged to be better? And we're not just talking about putting on a show. We're not just talking about being fake and putting on this front that you're superstar Christian. We're talking about are you living every day so that others can look at you and be encouraged? Not to get the praise of men, because you're going to be an example, either good or bad. Are you being the good example you should be to your brethren? And there's one more thing to notice from 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. Paul was talking to a young man, Timothy. He told Timothy, let no man despise your youth. And so young people, do you know that you can be an example to both young and old people? Others are looking at young people, are looking at kids. Kids, you need to know that adults are watching you. And young people are watching you. And you can be an incredible influence for other people. To help other people want to be right with God by the way that you live as a young person. I know. I've watched young people. And I've been encouraged by young people. I've also been discouraged by young people. What kind of example are you being? Paul said, be an example. I want to tell you, you can't be an example. You can't be the example you need to be if you're not a Christian. If you're not a Christian, if you haven't submitted to God in obedience... You're not, a, you're not an example that you should be. 
And you cannot be an example if you've become a Christian, but you've not been living like you should in the areas we've been talking about this morning. If you're not the example you need to be, would you change that and can we help? Let us know while we stand and sing.